The text for the sermon this day is taken from John, the 18th chapter, beginning at verse 12. It says, So the band of soldiers and their captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. First they led him to Annas, for he was the father and lie of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. It was Caiaphas who had advised the Jews that it would be expedient that one man should die for the people. Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the court of the high priest. But Peter stood outside at the door. So the other disciple, <coughs> who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, You also are not one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the servants and the officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold and they were standing and warming themselves. Peter also was with them, standing and warming himself. The high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. Jesus answered him, I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in the synagogues and in the temple where all the Jews come together. I have said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. They know what I said. When he had said these things, one of the officers standing by struck Jesus with his hand, his hand saying, Is that how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him, If what I said is wrong, bear witness about the wrong. But if what I said is right, why do you strike me? Annas then sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. So they said to him, You also are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter again denied it, and at once a rooster crowed. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. This last week... I preached about, we, we focused on Jesus' arrest in the garden. And I want us to go back for a moment and think about those sequence of events. It began with Judas, one of Jesus' own disciples, coming before him. And he has signaled that he is going to, who Jesus, he told the guards, how he was going to signal who Jesus was, and how he was going to do it was with a kiss. A kiss is, you know, a kiss, we think about, what is a kiss? It's something that's beautiful. It's something romantic, something enchanting. It's all about affection and love and compassion for the individual whom you kiss. And so this universal sign of love and affection and kindness and compassion 
Judas chooses to use it to betray someone who called him a friend. A little bit later, his disciples, the word disciple literally means follower. And when I say follower, I if that means what it means to be a follower in the ancient world, it meant that wherever your teacher, wherever your instructor went, you followed him. If he was if he went left, you went left. If he went right, you went right. And the reason was was because you wanted to be with your teacher as much as you can so that you could hear every word that flows forth from his mouth and that you may learn from him. This is how education was very much done in the ancient world. But so it literally meant but either way that meant that they literally followed him around. But the disciples, when Jesus is arrested and taken away, they don't keep following Jesus. They flee. They run away. They do exactly the opposite of what a disciple does. And now, in this reading as you heard it, Jesus is before Annas. And so he's going to go before Caiaphas, and he is being judged. He's being spot. He's being mocked, spat upon, struck in the face. He's being humiliated, physically abused by his religious leaders, by his church, if you will—not really a church, but you get the idea. His—he's been abandoned. He's been abandoned by just about everyone. Now John, the, the Apostle John is in there. and But what's notable is what is going on on the outside. What is going on with one of the other disciples, and that is Peter. Peter gets confronted by this servant girl. Or better translated, slave girl. And she says to Peter... You also are not one of this man's disciples, are you? And Peter answers, I am not. I mean, think, now think about this. She's a slave girl. She has no authority, no credibility. He could have told this slave girl, yeah, 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 I'm Jesus' disciple, you know it. And she could have gone around and told everybody. But nobody would have believed her because she is a girl and she's a slave. But nonetheless, Peter denied him. Again, another person comes to him and asks the question. You, are all, you also are not one of his disciples, are you? Again, Peter denied it and said, I am not. And they said it a third time. They asked him a third time. And in the other Gospels, it says that Peter says, I do not know the man. Think about that. Think of your best friend. Think of that friend who would says that they would stick with you at, through thick and thin, no matter how bad things got, they were there with you, they were by your side. 
And then when you had that moment, when you were in the worst place, all of your other friends have abandoned you, your your church, your religious leaders, those people you go and worship the Lord with, are they're rejecting you, humiliating you, mocking you, striking you in the face. And a little bit, you're going to be condemned by your own government. And that one friend who said he would stick with you through thick and thin, not only does he not stick with you, when people ask if they're with you, he doesn't only say he's not with you, he says, I don't know him. Imagine if you heard one of your friends say that they don't know you. That's what Peter did. The grief of what Peter did and said is just awful to think of. And see, here's the thing. We're not any better than Peter. We live in a world that is hostile to Christianity. And we as Christians are afraid to stand up for the truth of the scriptures. To stand up for Christ and him crucified for the sins of the world. There are churches in this country that do not preach that. They could go weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and never once say that Jesus died for your sins, that your sins are forgiven by Jesus' shed blood on the cross. And this is perfectly acceptable to so many because what they talk about is entertaining and you love it, it's not offensive. But Jesus himself says at the end of the Gospel of Luke to preach repentance and forgiveness of sins to the world. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians said, I decided to know nothing among you except Christ and him crucified. He says, we preach Christ crucified to you, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. The cross is the central message of all of the scriptures. All the way back to Genesis 3, the talk of the serpent's head being crushed. Why can't, then you have Abel, the blood of Abel. You have Abraham's sacrificing of Isaac. You have the promise to Abraham of many children. You have um, Jacob's ladder. You have Joseph who's, who says that you meant evil for this, but God has used this for the salvation of many. You could talk about, go pointing to, you know, David's children. You could talk about Ruth and Naomi. You go through all the scriptures and all these things happen or are spoken of. It's pointing to Jesus dying on the cross for the sins of the world. And all of the New Testament is pointing backwards to it. And yet we have churches that don't talk about it at all. And we don't speak up. We say nothing. We say, well, at least they're talking about Jesus. Some of them aren't even doing that. But even still, they're not talking about the things that Jesus wants them to be talking about. Because the other thing is going to get more butts in the seat. People are going to be happier. It's like, oh, everybody knows that Jesus died for them on the seat. 
on the cross for the sins of the world. And the thing is, well, one, no, not everyone does. But even let's pretend they do, that doesn't mean we need to stop hearing it. I mean, imagine if you said that in a marriage. It says, well, I, well, I don't need to tell my wife that I love her. She already knows it. I told her I loved her on when we got married. That's all I need to do. I'm done and good and over with it. What if you said that? Your marriage would not be very strong. What if you never told your children that you loved them? So, well, they know. No, it's not enough to, for them to know. You have to say that I love you. You need to say it frequently. Just so also we need to hear the gospel every day. I saw a wonderful meme, and I don't know if it was actually a Luther quote. I haven't looked it up to see if it is or not. But this wonderful quote, it's attributed as to Luther, and it says, We need to hear the gospel every day because we forget the gospel every day. And the gospel is that Jesus Christ shed his blood on the cross for the forgiveness of the sins of the world, of the forgiveness of your sins. And yet there's so many that don't preach it. And so many of us will not speak against it because we don't want to be controversial. We don't want to be a negative Nelly. When people... And let's take it even to other things. We get... We don't want to talk about things, the truths of the teachings of our God. We don't want to talk about closed communion. I mean, that's offensive. We should have welcomed everyone to the altar. Or we don't want to talk about that. We don't want to hurt people's feelings. We don't want to hurt people's feelings when we talk about that the body and the blood of Christ is actually in the, in the bread and wine for the forgiveness of sins of the Lord's Supper. We don't want to talk about that. We don't want to get caught up on that because that, hurt, that, that divides and people don't like divisiveness. This is the ways that we, as a culture, we cower to stand up for the teachings of our Lord. This is how we act like Peter. This is how we deny Christ. And it's even more so when you go into a, part, a world where there's a lot of non-Christians. We deny the Lord by not talking about him. By not telling people about our faith because we've heard that. You know, don't talk about religion. It's divisive. It makes people angry. And yeah, it is divisive. By nature of it. But we still need to teach it. We still need to profess Christ and Him crucified to others. Because if they don't have faith in Christ, they're going to hell. That's a harsh reality. And we are tasked with the duty every day of our life to proclaim the cross to the world that they may hear and believe and by believing may have life. And so you look at this text with Peter, with the other disciples, Judas. There's something that stands out. All of the disciples, with the exception of Judas, have returned to the fold of discipleship. They've returned to the fold of the, of the church. Why? Is it that Judas's betrayal was not as bad, was worse than Peter's denial? 
Was it? It might have been worse. And probably might. There's probably a good case it was. But it wasn't. But that's not the reason why he wasn't welcomed back into the fold. The difference, and it was reflected in the reading I read earlier from the Augsburg Confession. The reason is Judas didn't have faith. He didn't believe that Jesus would forgive him. He was guilt he felt guilt and he was grievous over what he had done, but he did not believe he believed his sin was too great to be forgiven. But Peter and the other disciples had faith in Jesus. They had faith that even those sins would be forgiven. Because you've got to understand that when Jesus went to the cross, he carried the sins of the entire world, every last one of them, without exception. He even carried the sin of Judas's betrayal. He carried the sin of Peter's denial. He carried the sins of his disciples' abandonment. He carried our sins of denial and abandonment. He carried every sin. And every sin was forgiven, wiped away, washed away by the blood of Jesus. You see, we get this wrong error, and I've said this before, we get this idea that Jesus' death, when Jesus died, it was as if our sins were never committed. That's kind of a half-truth. It's not as if the sins were never committed. It's as if you never committed those sins. But, instead, Christ had committed them. It's as if Jesus committed your sins, and he suffered the full-on penalty and punishment for your sin and mine. And see, one of the things, and how do we receive this forgiveness? How do we receive the benefit of this forgiveness? What do we need to do? Nothing. It's a gift of God, free. Freely given to you. There is nothing you have to do. I mean, I'm telling you this. See, this is, I got the, I was just earlier today, I read, I listened to a sermon that was, or a message that was called um, The Gospel for Those Broken by the Church or Hurt by the Church or something like that by Rod Rosenblatt. It's a wonderful, wonderful speech. But he talked about this. He says, you know, so many people, believe that they're going to be saved by their works and they're going to be surprised when they get to heaven and Jesus is going to come up and say, oh, you're saved by my grace. Like, you mean all the work I did didn't need to do it? Nope. I did it. That's what Jesus is going to say. He did it and that was it. That was enough. And it's for that reason we are all going to be surprised when we get into heaven by the people that are going to be there. You're going to see... We're going to see Roman Catholics. 
We're going to see Eastern Orthodox. We're going to see Methodists. We're going to see Lutherans. We're going to see Baptists. We're going to see Missouri Synod Lutheran, East ELC. Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. We're going to see Wisconsin Synod, um, Evangelical Lutheran Synod. We're going to see Assemblies of God, Pentecostals. We're going to see doctors. We're going to see teachers. We're going to see social workers. We're going to see lawyers. We're going to see um, politicians. We're going to see IRS agents. <coughs> we are going to see... Um, drug dealers, we're going to see prostitutes, we're going to see people that never set foot into the side of the doors of a church. We are going to see so many people that we would have never expected to see. Because salvation does not come by our works, by how much you sin. Salvation comes completely as a free gift and there is no sin too great. Because every bit of it has been paid. That is why we have to get it. Carry this message into the world. The world sees an angry God that doesn't want anyone. And we need to carry out the message and say, Yes, what you've done is a sin. We're not going to deny that. But Jesus paid for that sin. And there's nothing. There is absolutely nothing you could have done that is too great for Jesus to have forgiven it. He has died for it. He suffered the penalty for your sin. And all who believe in him will have life. Peter, the other disciples, they have life because of the grace, the forgiveness that they received through faith. May this give you comfort and hope. And may this be the message on your lips as you proclaim it to the world. In Jesus' name, amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, keep you in the one true faith and a life everlasting. Amen. The next hymn we're going to sing is Hymn 547, The Lamb. O Lamb, the Lamb, O Father, where's the sacrifice? Faces, beliefs, God will provide the Lamb of Christ. Worthy is the Lamb, whose death makes me his own. The Lamb is reigning on His throne. <clears throat> o Lamb, the Lamb, one perfect final offering. The Lamb, the Lamb, let earth join hand his praise to sing. Worthy is the Lamb, whose death makes me his own. The Lamb is reigning on his throne. The Lamb, the Lamb, as wayward sheep that shepherd kill, so still his will our 
what army hath the Lord to fill? Worthy is the Lamb, whose death makes me his own. The Lamb is reigning on his throne. He sighs, he dies, he takes my sin and wretchedness. He lives, forgives, he gives me his own righteousness. Worthy is the Lamb whose death makes me his own. The Lamb is reigning on his throne. <clears throat> he rose, he rose, my heart with thanks now overflows his song. Prolong till every heart to him belong. Worthy is the Lamb whose death makes me his own. The Lamb is reigning on his throne. We continue with the litany on page 249. In peace let us pray to the Lord, have mercy. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord, have mercy. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord, have mercy. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord, have mercy. For Matthew, our synodical president, for Steve, our district president, for all pastors in Christ, for all servants of the church, and for all the people, let us pray to the Lord, have mercy. <clears throat> for our president, Barack, for all public servants, for the government and those who protect us, that they may be upheld and strengthened in every good deed. Let us pray to the Lord, have mercy. For those who work to bring peace, justice, health, and protection in this and every place, let us pray to the Lord, have mercy. For those who bring offerings, those who do good works in this congregation, those who toil, those who sing, and all the people here present who await from the Lord great and abundant mercy, let us pray to the Lord, have mercy. 
for favorable weather, for an abundance of the fruits of the earth, and for peaceful times. Let us pray to the Lord, have mercy. For our deliverance from all affliction, wrath, danger, and need, let us pray to the Lord, have mercy. For the faithful who have gone before us and are with Christ, let us give thanks to the Lord. Thanks be to God. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. At this time, we take a moment for silence and meditation upon God's word and upon those who are in need of our prayers at this time. Rejoicing in the fellowship of all the saints, let us commend ourselves, one another, and our whole life to Christ our Lord. To you, O Lord, let us pray. Lord Jesus, all of your disciples had abandoned you. You stood ready to bear the sins of the world. Jesus, we will ponder now on your holy passion. With your spirit we endow for such meditation. Grant that we in love and faith may cherish the image of your suffering, pain and death, that we may not perish. Amen. O God, from whom come all holy desires, all good counsels, and all just works, give to us, your servants, the peace which the world cannot give, that our hearts may be set to obey your commandments, and also that we, being defended from the fear of our enemies, may live in peace and quietness through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Amen. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Almighty and Merciful Lord, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, bless and preserve you. Amen.
We conclude the recording of this service with the singing of hymn 425, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross.
Thank you for listening to this recording of the sermon and somewhat of a service of evening prayer. I am Pastor Neil Wemus, and I am a pastor of three Lutheran churches in Osceola County, Iowa. I did this recording partially because uh, my my I my recording system did not work um, when I did preach this evening, so I did this instead from the from my parsonage. Um, the song that you just heard was recorded and sung by Fernando Ortega, who, if you're not familiar with him, has some wonderful singing of some of the great um, Lenten hymns, uh, especially listen to his uh, Sacred Head Now Wounded or Stricken, Smitten, and Afflicted, just absolutely beautifully sung. Uh, so again, I pray this is a blessing to you, and I pray that the Lord bless you and keep you. In Jesus' name, amen.